You are tuned in to the Jackson Hole Connection, sharing fascinating stories of people connected to Jackson Hole. I am truly grateful for each of you for tuning in today. And support for this podcast comes from Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling, bringing the Jackson Hole community residential and commercial food waste composting options. Call 307-733-7678 for more information. I'm going to begin today's episode with a thought. Live for yourself and the people you love, not to mimic what you see on social media or on TV. Allow yourself to be free of negative outside influences. Make it a practice living the hours in your day, other than while you're sleeping, to have your devices off. Keep a book or a journal close to you. Read for entertainment and for learning. Journal to explore your emotions, your thoughts, and to allow your creativity to be free. And you are listening to episode number 228. And today's guest, Christy Watts. Christy is a Michigander and part of the class of 1998, which that means when she moved here. And Christy moved to Jackson Hole with really big dreams and quickly learned with dedication, friends to learn from, that those big dreams can develop into reality. As an entrepreneur, Christy has several businesses which she operates to fuel the ultimate goal of traveling the world to seek fun. And one of those businesses is being a life coach, making a difference in women's lives. Wondering what a life coach is? Well, stay tuned to learn from Christy and how she has helped thousands of people change their lives. Christy, thank you for joining me here today at the Jackson Hole Connection. Yay, thanks for having me. I'm excited. You're welcome. I was deeply honored and excited when you reached out to say, I want to be a guest. And I love it when people reach out and say that they want to be a guest. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And let's start off as we start all those episodes with sharing where did you grow up and how did you land in this beautiful land we call Jackson Hole? I grew up in northern Michigan and right on Lake Michigan. And my winter sports were snowboarding and cross-country skiing and ice skating on ponds and lakes and just a really outdoorsy place to grow up as far as the Midwest is concerned. <laughs> and then um, I came out to Jackson for one winter where I wanted to try and become a professional snowboarder. <laughs> so I left my job. I was working in Seattle at the time. So right out of college, I moved to Seattle and worked in advertising and marketing in Seattle and then got burnt out after two years, as you do in corporate. Mm -hmm. So I moved here for one winter to try and become a pro snowboarder just for one winter. And how did it go becoming a pro <laughs> snowboarder? Well, I came here and realized that I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I, mm -hmm. I, didn't, I really couldn't snowboard as well as I thought that I could. I was really talented in Michigan and very mediocre here. <laughs> and so I was lucky enough to land a job at Jackson Hole Mountain Resort. And I taught snowboarding there where I met some amazing snowboarders like Mikey Franco and Steve mm -hmm. Baker and 
a whole crew of people. And Mikey really took me under his wing and taught me how to snowboard for real in <laughs> the big mountains. And yeah, it went from there. I, I did that for about seven years. And when you were out here and realized that, hey, I don't have it what it takes to be a professional snowboarder, how did you pivot from that dream or idea to saying, all right, I'll just teach snowboarding lessons or I'll be here and start learning? Well, the teaching kind of, that was an ends to a means mm -hmm. of doing that. And I really didn't pivot. I just got better. And then I did compete. I competed for on the pro circuit for three, like three or four years. And uh, uh, so you did enter the I pro circuit. Did do it. It was, you know, I mean, snowboarding was still in its infancy back then. I mean, when I moved here, it was in the 90s. You know, I mean, things, Jackson was rough back then. It was, uh, it was still very cowboy. Yeah, it wasn't the bougie ski resort we have now. It was, it was rough. Not rough. I mean, just different. But yeah, no, I, I got really good quickly. I, I was really determined to do that. So yeah, I competed in extremes and I competed in the U.S. and New Zealand and traveled around and got sponsorships and a lot of modeling gigs, which was kind of cool. I got to do uh, a lot of different campaigns. So that all kind of fed into how I made a living snowboarding. I never liked to call myself a pro snowboarder because it just seemed like an arbitrary title. And there was so many more people that were way worthy of that. <laughs> so I just, yeah, it was fun. It was cool. It was but very good to do it. So that's pro. Exactly. That's how I mm -hmm. just, you know, that was my definition as well. Mm -hmm. How, how cool. So you were on the extreme. So not everybody that's listening understands what the extremes are. And um, so share yeah. with us what that means. Well, they've gotten way more popular since back in the day. But before, it was something that no one could ever watch because you were out in the middle of nowhere. And what they would do is they would drop you off on the top of a mountain, sometimes via lift access, sometimes helicopter, sometimes you'd hike. It all just depends on what the venue was. And we would have uh, a section of cliff band. And you would have to pick your line and you get points for extreme lines, technical difficulty, style, speed, all of that. And then you had judges at the bottom. So I think we see that a lot more here now. Like they have a lot of events at like PBTB and Kings and Queens of Corbett's, you know, stuff like that. So we see it a little bit more now uh, inbounds here at Jackson, but we didn't really have any competitions here. A lot of them in California, Alaska, Colorado. Yeah, you tried to pick the scariest line that you felt comfortable riding and do it as well as you could possibly do it. And that's how it worked out. And you said that you moved here in the 90s. When in the 90s did you move here? I moved here in 1998. The class of 98. Yep. Okay. You're one year ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was only here for one, one winter, remember? That was it. Right. <laughs> Everybody moves here for one winter. And I agree with you. I mean, the town that Jackson is, I'm not sure what the word is, but maybe it's its more luxurious now. Definitely. It has more amenities yes. than it did back then. 
Mm-hmm. And as we experienced yesterday, power outage, it was not unusual for the electricity to go out in the wintertime, but fortunately it got back on with it negative 20 this morning. Uh, it's not my favorite. No, not mine either. No. <laughs> and so now you're, you're doing a bunch of things. Um, you're married, you're a mom, you got a coaching job and a whole slew of other things that you do as well. What did you transition into first? Oh man, that was going to sound so crazy. So I did I did marketing and advertising here after I transitioned off the mountain and I worked with Lifelink. Mm-hmm. So you've been around for a while, so you remember those guys. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, backpacks, backcountry gear and imported avalanche safety. They were kind of, I think, the first people in the U.S., I think, doing that. I did marketing and advertising for them for a couple of years. And then kind of after transitioning from uh, snowboarding and competing, I really realized that I wanted to help people more. I wanted to give back. I was looking for a change, something different. Like, what what am I going to do when I grow up, basically? Uh, I decided I wanted to do traditional Chinese medicine. So I left here and I went to grad school in Denver. I went to Colorado College of Traditional Chinese Medicine. And that was supposed to be my adult job. How's that for random? <laughs> I mean, one of my great friends, his wife is studying Chinese medicine in Asheville, North Carolina right now. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's it's so interesting. It's so foreign. It's so, it's really cool. Um, I did that. That's a basically a four-year program. And I made it through three and a half years in Denver mm-hmm. and when I worked for Lifelink, I helped start the Rondine rallies, the uphill oh, race. Yeah. So I helped create that and start that from just a, a one event here to a whole series across the U.S. and Canada. And in doing that, I got a lot of sponsors. And one of my sponsors that um, we had during that series was Sunto. Uh, so they that's that watch company out of Finland. They make the really amazing like altimeters and stuff, mm-hmm. like everything that you were doing. So <laughs> when I was in Denver in grad school, I went to OR one one time and just kind of went around to see old friends and went to see Sunto. And um, my friends there, uh, the girl who was my main contact is like, I'm leaving. I'm moving to Finland. She's like, you should take my job. You, you would love this job. You'd be great at this job. So come talk to my boss. So there I am at uh, outdoor retailer and I'm wearing like jean shorts, a tank top and flip flops. And oh. I go in the boss and he's like, oh, you know, you have a lot of experience. You would be really great in this role. Come meet this person. Come meet this person. So I go through like this huge set of interviews while I'm just hanging out like with my friends at outdoor retailer and end up working for Sunto. <laughs> who is owned by Amar. And then they're, uh, during that time frame, then they also uh, acquired Solomon, Arteryx, uh, Atomic, and a couple other places. So then I just like started working for them. And mm-hmm. th- so I dropped out of school and I thought I would just do that for a year and I would come back. You can always go back to school, right? You can always finish. So then I lived in San Diego, working for Sunto, working, doing stuff for Solomon, uh, traveling around the world, signing their athletes, throwing parties. <laughs> it was it was a really fun job <laughs> for a while. Um, 
So yeah, so then I did that for two years and then they were in um, like North County, San Diego then. And then once they acquired all, all of their other companies, they moved everybody to Ogden, Utah. And I didn't want to go to Utah. So is this a lot? <laughs> no, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> so that company moved to Utah and I did not move to Utah. And uh, I was still living in uh, Encinitas in North County, San Diego. And that's when I met my husband. And yeah, so I had I had this amazing severance package from that job. And we bought an RV and we wanted to see where we wanted to live because he's mm-hmm. like, hey, California, I want to move to the mountains. And I knew I would always like I wanted to move back here to raise a family. I always knew I would come back eventually. But I did not think it would be so soon. And so we we bought this RV and we spent a whole winter in the RV traveling around to different ski resorts and chasing snow and looking for potential places to live. And that was, God, I can't remember what year it was, early 2000s, but it was like, I mean, I think we got like 450 inches of snow here. So mm. we kept going places to check out and then my friends would be like texting me. 18 inches, 20 inches, 16 inches. And so we kept like going other places to check it out, but then back to Jackson and somewhere else and back to Jackson. And so at the end of that trip, we decided back to Jackson. So yeah. that's my, my, my glorious return to Jackson Hole <laughs> after my brief hi- hiatus. And then, yeah, then I'm like, what do I do with my life? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, I tried to go back to acupuncture school and it was just so foreign. I mean, it was so foreign. If you don't keep up on that, you lose it so, so quickly. And I had, I had lost it. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to go for another four years of this. And I had a life coach. And so my coach is like, okay, you know, what are your next steps? What do you want to do? And my undergrad was in psychology. And so I'm, I'm I'm talking to her and I was just like, God, I love how you changed my life. And I love how quickly things move. And it's great. And finally, it was like the, the light bulb went on and I was like, oh, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. I don't want to do I don't want to do traditional Chinese medicine. I'm like, I want to do what you do. I want to help people change their lives and do it very, very quickly. And she's like, oh my gosh. She's like, I've been waiting years for you to say this. She's like, I've been giving you hints and you haven't picked up on anything, but yes, like this is awesome. So I trained with her and became a coach and I've been doing that. I think I opened my, my practice in 2006. So it's been a while. I have so much to ask you in the first <laughs> about a life coach. I'm really interested to know because you just, I mean, you just transitioned. I mean, you met your husband. You lived in an RV. You guys decided to live in Jackson. And then all of a sudden you mentioned, well, you had a life coach. And it sounded as though it wasn't as though you guys decided to live in Jackson and you had a life coach. Did you have this life coach for a period of time? Mm-hmm. Okay. So how long had you had the life coach? I would say two or three years. I okay. Think. I was in grad school in Denver. She's based in Denver. Okay. I started working with her super randomly. My part-time job that I had, my boss was like, um, I'm sending you to this this seminar this weekend. I'm like, oh God, seminar. Well, like that sounds horrible. What is that? And it was it was this weekend 
And it was like uh, Friday night, all day Saturday, half day on Sunday. And it was the first time I'd ever um, come in contact with life coaches or life coaching or really any type of, the, of work like this. And so I went and I was kind of, I was having a really rough time in Denver. I didn't like Denver. I didn't like living in the city. I didn't, I had a really hard time with grad school. I did well in it and I liked learning, but personal life was a disaster and lots of stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I go to this weekend and I do this, the super intense, like deep interpersonal work that I have only read about, you know, only done in, in books and stuff, but I have never really had anyone facilitate me in that. And after that weekend, it was like I was wearing like these dark sunglasses all the time. And, I, you know, I still saw the world as I saw the world. But then I took the sunglasses off and I was like, oh, my God, everything's bright and shiny and colorful. And I just felt so much more in control of my life. And so I felt like life didn't happen to me anymore. Like I was I was steering the ship, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I think before I was just like trying to survive and just having like all these issues and all this stuff like hit me and like, oh, you got this going on and then you got this and this. And then after that weekend, it was really like, oh, no, I I steer the ship. I I know where I'm going now and had a plan. And yeah, everything really, really progressed really quickly after that, like my goals and dreams and passions and like the kind of life that I wanted to create and orchestrate really took shape after that, that weekend. So yeah, I thought it was the biggest life-changing weekend of my life. And so she was great. I loved her. Her and I started working together from that day on. And like, she's still one of my best friends. I mean, I just talked to her yesterday and mm. talked to her again tomorrow. So anytime I'm doing anything big or changing in my life, I, she's always there to help me with stuff. Now, if I hear you correctly, you're saying you're now a life coach. Mm -hmm. You partnered with her and you're, so you're on your own, but you still, you know, lean on this person, this coach, not as just as a friend, but also as a coach. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. She's coached me. She's coached my husband. She coaches my kid. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, any in any relationship, you know, you always need some help every now and again. So she's always helped us through rough patches or things that we needed to navigate. So as a family, as a couple, and as an individual, I feel like you kind of need this outside perspective of someone to kind of look at your life and help you that doesn't really have a stake in the outcome. Mm. You know, I mean, my husband's my best friend and confidant and like, I, I talk to him about everything all the time, but clearly he always has a stake in whatever we're talking about. But like with her, it's, it's just she can look at things objectively and really ask the deep questions to get me to get into, oh, you know, where's your heart? Where, where do you want to go with this? Is this really important or isn't this important? And just a fresh perspective on things, you know, somebody who's not living your whole life with you, but can help you and can just detach from whatever issues they, they're, that you're having and yeah, help steer you in the right direction. I, I like what you said. You felt for a while that you were just wearing sunglasses on. And, and then after working with this coach, 
you were making the decisions for where your life would go. And I'm interested to learn as well, because some people listening in might think, well, that just sounds like getting a therapist. Hmm. And is there a difference between having a life coach and having a therapist? And what's yes. the similarities? Yes. So originally, that's what I really wanted to get into was uh, psychology, psychotherapy, counseling. Uh, that's, that's the direction that I thought that I would go when I was in undergrad. So yes, there's many differences. The first and foremost is education. I want to state this right off the bat. Therapists and uh, psychologists, psychiatrists, they all have degrees. They have a lot of education behind all of that. And it's different. The downside with life coaching is that almost anybody can call themselves a life coach. And mm. you really don't need, there's no, you should have schooling, that you should have qualifications. But at, at this time, there really isn't qualifications. It's, it's kind of why, it's what I don't like about life coaching. So be careful. If anybody's out there looking and seeking and thinking about it, really do your homework on this. But why, why I chose life coaching over traditional therapy is um, mostly because it's a Western model and for the very same reason why I wanted to pick Chinese medicine. And this is just my opinion, just my opinion. I feel like typical Western therapy is uh, it puts you in boxes a lot of times and I get really nervous when people assign labels to people, you know, such as depressed, bipolar, ADD, I feel like when you, if you do that to people, which coaches are not allowed to do, absolutely not allowed to do, but people take on those personas then and kind of almost become that and then get stuck in these boxes. And for me, I have been in those boxes when I was younger and had learning disabilities. And I really became what I was told that I was versus. With coaching, nothing is good or bad or, you know, it just is. And it's just a different way of being. And if you don't like how you're being or your situation, then you set these big goals and all these steps and progressions to get where you're going. For me, it was just more hands-on. It was more active and less passive than other typical types of therapies. And what we say in life coaching is you have to be doing the work. You have to be in the work. So you have to constantly be improving yourself. You have to constantly be, you don't just preach it, you live it, if that makes sense. So I think that's what it was. I felt like, and this, again, this is just my personal take on that more traditional type of therapy. I felt like, in my own personal opinion, you would talk at people. They would listen. You would feel good when you got everything off your chest. And then you would go back to your same crappy life or whatever situations you had going on. I didn't feel like there was very much resolution or empowerment for you to change the system that you kind of needed this person to help you through it. So that's, that's why I moved towards coaching because coaching, it's all on you. I don't have the answers. There's no way I could ever be an expert on you, but I can see things when you talk about stuff and I can, I can hear and listen some things that you say that you might not be aware that you're saying that you might not be aware of like limiting beliefs. And, you know, we all have these things that these like safety mechanisms that we pick up when we're little as ways to survive. And I don't mean like physically, but I mean like 
ways to get by in the world, being quiet or being loud or being a people pleaser, all the stuff that we do when we're little that we carry with us for our whole life. And it, it doesn't serve us later on as we're adults. So to have someone be like, oh, what about this? What about this? And you keep asking questions until the person has self-discovery of those very same issues. And then once you have self-discovery of it, then you're able to change, shift, move, and progress out of it. Mm -hmm. That was a very long answer for what you asked me, huh? <laughs> it might be long, but it's thorough. It's detailed. <laughs> That's what, what we need. If you had shortened it, you would have left some of the importance of the defining it out. So I'm glad that you were very, very thorough there, Christy. I want to learn more about you as a coach okay. and how you've helped people. And maybe you can share a story with us. But first, we're going to take a quick break to get a word from one of our sponsors. And then we're going to come back. Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling estimates that approximately 3,954 tons of food waste are disposed in the trash right here in Teton County every year. This makes food waste the next frontier material in the quest to achieve our county's goal to reduce waste and recycle more, which will help us aim for zero waste. For more information on Teton County Integrated Solid Waste and Recycling's Curb to Compost Commercial Food Waste Program, visit tetoncountywy.gov slash recycle and join today. All right, Christy, you just helped define the difference between life coach and therapist, and, and I'm getting it. Totally getting it. And you, you said some important stuff there, like the upper limit problem or, you know, somebody with a stake in the outcome for you. Those are all big buzzwords in my world, especially in, in business. And you're, you're a coach. What's the name of your coaching business? Christy Watts Coaching. Very. Keep very it easy, right? <laughs> Keep it easy. Yep. And how many people would you say that you've helped better their lives? Oh man, definitely hundreds, probably closer to thousand, like into the thousands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And th think about this. You've helped hundreds or thousand people. The impact which that makes on other lives mm -hmm. of how many lives overall that you've helped in. I, that's, that's why I do it. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, it just it makes me happy to to share what I've learned because when I found this type of work, it I was just in in such a dark place. It was just a really strange period of my of of my life, you know, transitioning out of Jackson and being in Denver and being in grad school and trying to like shift my life into something. I, I was focusing all of my energy on school and everything else was kind of falling away. So. Yeah, to to just be able to have this help me out so much. I really wanted to share that with other people so that they, people don't have to suffer like how I was suffering, mm -hmm. basically. And with Christy Watts coaching, do you feel comfortable sharing a story of how you've helped someone? Mm -hmm. Yes. Let's see. So many stories. What do I choose? Well, well that is a, a lot of people and a lot of stories for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. 
okay, this is a story. She doesn't live here anymore, so I feel comfortable sharing this. I had this client and she came to me and beautiful girl, like beautiful, stunning, gorgeous. I'm trying to think of how old we were back then. She was probably in her 30s, like early 30s. She had been dating a guy for, I think, like three or four years at this point. And she said, I'm ready to, like, I, I want to settle down. I want to take our relationship to the next level. I'm ready to get married or at least move in or, you know, something more with this relationship. And so I was like, okay. And that was what she came to me for coaching. So we started coaching. And very quickly on, I realized that this beautiful, successful, amazing woman had no self-esteem. None. Oh. And this was, you know, I can't tell her this. Like, you can't just say that to someone. You need to kind of point things out to them. And one of the first things I was able to point out was the way her boyfriend was treating her. Basically, she didn't have any boundaries in her. Not, I'm not saying no boundaries, but her relationship was stomping on her boundaries oh. uh, in a lot of different ways. And she was being disrespected. But I think. You know, I'm not faulting him at all because I'm pretty sure she, you know, she was being like really needy and clingy and she wasn't living her life. She was trying to live this joint life of being codependent. And, you know, that's no one likes that. Well, some people do, but you don't want that. <laughs> you want your own life. Mm -hmm. And so through coaching, helped her to get her self-esteem up, get her 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 boundaries and she stopped tolerating a lot of what was going on in her relationship. And something that I found that I kind of knew pretty early on into our coaching sessions was that she was going to dump this guy. I, you know, you can't say that because she's coming to me because she wants to marry this guy. That's why she's coming to me. And I was just like, oh man, we were together for maybe a year, I would say. Like really intensely at the beginning, every week coaching sessions, and then every other week, and then once a month, she ended up breaking up with him within six months of us working together, which was the right move for both of them. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think two or three months after she broke up with him, like ran into her high school sweetheart and like they are perfect for each other. And they were married within nine months of mm -hmm re refinding each other and still together to this day i want to say that was i would say that was probably 10 years ago i think it was at least 10 years ago and two beautiful kids i still hear from her every now and again she doesn't live in jackson anymore but successful business still together he's the love of her life like amazing she's beyond happy now she's got her dream life all like all, all the stuff that she's ever wanted and more things that she could never even have dreamt of is what her normal life is like now. And why do we go through life in that fashion with wearing the sunglasses, having the shades on, the blinders or? We, we don't know. Mm. We just think that that's how life is, you know? I mean, if, you, if you've grown up, especially with, you know, a lot of times we learn things from, from our parents. And so our parents have some sort of trauma or some sort of pain in their life. And then that's how they dealt with it. So then they pass down their coping me mechanisms to us. And you have to think like we all do the best that we possibly can 
with the tools that we're given, right? Mm -hmm. And if we don't have a very big toolbox, (laughs) then we don't have a lot of coping mechanisms. We don't have a lot of tools to work with and systems to work with. So we pass all of this down onto our kids and you know, somebody's got to do the work at some point in time. Somebody's got to do the, the the deep interpersonal work or it just keeps going on and on and on and on, which I think is how a good portion of the world lives, like a really good portion of that. You know, like this is how I was grown up. This, this is this is how it is. But it, it it is, but it doesn't have to be. And I think I think that's the main thing that I would really want people to know is like you don't have to settle. You don't have to settle for a crappy job or a bad relationship or you don't have to settle for whatever it is. Like you can find ways to to change it, shift it, make it better. I think that's I think that's the main lesson in all of this. I have another curious question Okay. for the time that you have started going into coaching and, and then learning to be a, a life coach yourself and, and, and doing the coaching technology has been on a rocket trajectory yes and it's designed or sold to us to improve our lives have you seen how technology you have to now coach people through of how to properly use technology to where it remains a tool that rather than being something that brings them down Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that, I mean, we struggle with this in our house. My son is 12, almost 13. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is constant battle, (laughs) as you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the world has shifted so much with the advent uh, or with the, like everybody having phones now all the time and then everybody having social media and so many different ways to compare yourself and compare your life to all what all the shiny stuff that everybody's showing you. I think it's 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 helped us in a lot of ways and also hurt us in a lot of ways. I think it's it's changed the way relationships that we form relationships, it's changed the way that we continue our relationships. Yeah, I think for me, so I think with the advent like with social media becoming so popular, I got really bummed out seeing coaches online and seeing like these kids that are like 19 and 20 years old and like they're super successful coaches. And I'm just like, what? Like, I'm not saying that, no, you can't, but I know these people haven't had the education and the background and the training and they're just going out there and doing it. And I got really bummed out on the whole coaching industry a while back, just just watching this, everybody. Like a life coach was, I think, the, the number one career choice by Forbes. And oh, when was it? 14 or something, 2014. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, I'm just like, oh God, I'm like, it's over. It's over. It's done. Like, I don't want to call myself a coach anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. Like it was just, I don't know. I think you can have like a negative impact and a positive impact and decide which, which route you want to go. And for me, I was kind of happy to have a little break and uh, a shift in my focus because I started having different streams of revenue and and starting and launching other businesses, which I think that's when we met was um, in the Startup Institute. I don't, yeah. I don't remember when, when that was. 16? That was a while ago. Let's uh, see. It was, I had, William was still a little baby. I think, I don't even know if he was one. I don't even think he was one yet when that happened. 
So mm-hmm. when we did Startup Intensive Institute together. So it was that fall. So he was born that January. Yeah. 2016. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember thinking, I'm just like, I, I don't want to do like, this isn't working for me anymore. I need to shift and change and restructure and do things differently. I still loved the work. I just didn't want to work so hard for the work. That makes sense. So I kind of shifted and changed and I stopped advertising. I stopped. uh, I gave up my office. I moved everything strictly online. I just worked from my phone now. And again, it was designing your life, designing your life that works for you. And it was great. Now I didn't have to pay rent. Uh, Now I could travel all the time and still work. My clientele shifted. I only got clients through referrals then, you know, Mm -hmm. people that worked with me and then their friends saw their life change. And then their friends are like, oh, my gosh, what'd you do? This is my coach. And so that's how I started getting clients. And so I didn't have to work as hard then because I had like this introduction to people. And then, you know, people would kind of pass me around in their friend circles. So I had clients. I had this big group of ladies in Australia. I had a big group of ladies in Kansas City. I had some other people in Florida. So it was really weird. I I went from working with locals here in Jackson, which, you know, it's a small town. It's hard to talk to talk to people you're going to see every day about like these deep personal issues that you have in your family and like your businesses and all this stuff. So it was great to be more anonymous when working with people. And yeah, so I I shifted into group work. I did a lot of online groups that I did and I, I liked that. And now I'm kind of, I do a lot of stuff in person. Now I do a lot of leadership training here in Jackson. Uh, I have three different ones coming up soon for different groups from out of town that are coming in. And then I do workshops and seminars for them. And I do like my one-on-one work, but I like my one-on-one work and big groups now. And yeah, I think I'm going to shift. And by the end of this year, I'm going to create my own app and it will be uh, like a coaching happiness app. It'll be how to improve happiness in your life, which I think is always the ultimate goal. Like when people are like, what's the meaning of life? Or, you know, why do you do all of this? I'm like to be happy, to find joy, to have happiness in your life. So yeah, that's, that's on the agenda. I have not started that yet. I have, I have my notebook of research and that's about it so far. So sometime soon, it'll be happy. Good good for you, Christy. Good for you. And you, you mentioned the different revenue streams. So mm-hmm. you have this idea, you're going to create an app and you've done other things and you're working on creating other things. And you said earlier that um, you're even creating as well. Mm-hmm. And what are you creating? I have been working in strange and weird media <laughs> mediums about just doing art like Jackson art and things that inspire me. I don't feel I'm very artistic or necessarily that talented, but I've been doing just finding different ways of exploring my creativity and mostly based on Jackson stuff, like scenery. I just get so inspired uh, being out and about here, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's just I have that moment almost every day where you're just like, like it catches your breath and you're like, so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Like take your breath away. I'm I feel like I really practice a lot of gratitude work and, you know, I think you can get kind of bummed on change and the way things shift in your life and especially in small towns when you have been here for 20 years and you want things to stay the same, but they don't. (laughs) So 
I really focus on gratitude and like finding the beauty and everything. And I mean, it's so easy to find the beauty here. There's always a million examples of like, you know, even when it's negative 23 outside and everything's like, you get the little sparkles, the crystals, mm-hmm. that, and you're just so pretty. It's so- and things sound different too. Yeah. Like, they're yeah. like, well, what's it like? I said, well, it sounds different. Everything slows down. Just movement of molecules slow down. Yeah. Like that. But like finding, instead of just being like, that's negative, blah, you know, mm-hmm. getting upset about it, like still finding the beauty. So that's where I find my inspiration. And that's where I want to share it and to, I don't know, like just get it out there a little bit more. Um, my husband is a photographer and he mostly does architectural stuff. So he's always doing big projects and stuff. But I get ideas sometimes. I'm like, oh, I want I want to see this. You know, I want to see um, this one thing, but I want it in this abstract way. And so I have him help me with photography and then I can come back and manipulate it and change it. Oh, that's one right there. Mm-hmm. Oh, right behind you. Yeah. Pretty. This is a really old piece. This one was like, I don't know. That's probably 20 years old. But like this, it was just, you know, like aspen trees changing, but then just blur it out a little bit. And like, it just becomes this kind of cool little blob, you know, stuff like that. It's like, I don't know. I don't mean to discount what I'm doing, but it, it just doesn't seem like as I'm not like some of the other famous people in town that are doing cool stuff. <laughs> it's another side. It's another side project. It's a side project. So yeah, I'm doing that. I have a whole bunch of online businesses up and running and kind of almost self-automated where I don't have to work that much for that. Uh, and this is, you know, how I can travel so much and get out and see things and be where I want to be when I want to be. Oh, and it's negative. Leaving Friday, going somewhere warm. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. When yep. you say several online businesses, mm-hmm. can you share? I have I have three Shopify stores. I have a couple Etsy accounts. I, I run a couple different uh, social media campaigns, just random stuff. Like my dog has one. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> I don't want it to be me. I don't want it to be my face. I don't want to have to mm-hmm. like be the face of all of this stuff. But like, so I also do affiliate marketing. Mm-hmm. I think is kind of the wave of the future and that's how most marketing will be done or it is done and will be done. So like my my dog's social media account, she's Sky, S-K-Y-E, in the mountains on TikTok. And like I, I try to post often, but we'll see what happens. Um, but she's got she's getting quite a big following. And like for that, I'll just throw up like affiliate market links for dog stuff. And so then if anybody ever clicks on that and is like, oh, I love her coat that she's wearing and they click the link and then they buy that stuff. I just get a little bit of a commission off of that. So, yeah. So I have a whole bunch of that stuff kind of up and running and going and multiple streams of income and different ways. And it's just it's my passion to I, I want to travel. I want to live in different mm-hmm. I want to constantly be moving. We have five more years until the kiddo graduates high school. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I want to be a nomad after that. So trying to make all of this up and running so I can be anywhere. That's awesome. Thanks. For you. And Christy, if people wanted to connect with you and learn more about your coaching or some of your other businesses, what is a good way for them to connect with you? Um, my website, my website mm-hmm. is Christy, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-E, Watts, W-E-T-T-S dot com. 
And I think there's more information about that, about my coaching, about my coaching style. And if anybody wants to work with me, uh, that's the best way to go. You can um, fill out an email and it'll send it to me. And I always get back to people within 24 hours. And yeah, I think that's probably the best way. That's awesome. Christy, I so appreciate you taking the time to offer some inspiration from the person who learned to snowboard in Michigan and was going to come to Jackson Hole and to be a pro snowboarder, but still became a pro snowboarder. Uh, and are you my best, my best second of that? Yeah. So I went up to Alaska to be a heli ski guide one season. Actually, I was a dispatcher. That's what I was hired to do, was to go up there and be a dispatcher for uh, Alaska Rendezvous. And it was their first season. And so rough. Oh, my God. It was so it was so crazy. But um, we got a lot of heli time, which was super cool. And I remember my first drop, the first time they dropped me, and I was standing on what was the world extreme course two years before. And I remember just standing up there. And the guide who was Theo, I don't know if you know Theo, knew Theo or not, but he was the one who started this Alaska rendezvous. He took all the clients and went down there. And I remember just standing on top of this mountain in Alaska and just like tears in my eyes and being like, oh my God, I'm this like girl from Michigan who just like taught myself how to snowboard. And now I'm standing up on top of this mountain in Alaska. I never thought I would be here. I never thought it, this would happen. And it was like one of like my best moments ever snowboarding it was cool it was really awesome that's beautiful that's beautiful and you did it i did it yeah did. and you probably did it freaking really well <laughs> i don't know the coach of me came out this is where i decided to be a life coach because i kept like coaching everybody when they were scared in their lines and i kept helping all my competitors mentally get through all of this stuff and then they would all beat me <laughs> But I was happy just being with them and helping people. So that's when I knew that I had a different calling. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Christy, I so appreciate you taking the time to share your story and how you are helping other people find the best life that they have inside of them. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. It was good to see you today, Christy. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. You're welcome. I appreciate it. It was good to see you. And I you love too. this. Keep it up. It's so, it's so fun to like learn more about people in town. <laughs> you got it. I will. Take Thanks. care. Bye. To learn more about Christy and her life of fun and adventure, visit the JacksonHoleConnection.com episode number 228. Remember to get out there and share this podcast and share with me how you are practicing acts of gratitude. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate your sharing your time with me today. And cheers till next week when I see you right back here for another episode of The Jackson Hole Connection.